New Vision is a church that places high value on Scripture. The Bible is made up of 66 books, and in this next portion, we're going to be going through a few of those books as a church family. We hope this tool encourages you and equips you to lead your life well. Thank you for joining us today. Hey, New Vision family, this is Ben Curtis here. Thanks for joining us today. We're continuing our podcast series, Never Lost, A Journey to Victory. And today we're going to read an incredible passage in 2 Samuel 7, where God establishes his covenant with David. So I'm going to read beginning in verse 1, 2 Samuel 7. We'll go all the way down through verse 17. And I'll be reading from the Christian Standard Bible. When the king had settled into his palace and the Lord had given him rest on every side from all his enemies, the king said to the prophet Nathan, Look, I am living in a cedar house while the ark of God sits inside tent curtains. So Nathan told the king, Go and do all that is on your mind, for the Lord is with you. But that night the word of the Lord came to Nathan, Go to my servant David and say, This is what the Lord says. Are you going to build me a house to dwell in? From the time I brought the Israelites out of Egypt until today, I have not dwelt in a house. Instead, I have been moving around with a tent as my dwelling. In all of my journeys with all the Israelites, have I ever spoken a word to one of the tribal leaders of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, asking, Why haven't you built me a house of cedar? So now this is what you're to say to my servant David. This is what the Lord of armies says. I took you from the pasture, from tending the flock, to be ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have destroyed all of your enemies before you. I will make a great name for you, like that of the greatest on the earth. I will designate a place for my people Israel and plant them, so that they may live there and not be disturbed again. Evildoers will not continue to oppress them as they have done ever since the day I ordered judges to be over my people Israel. I will give you rest from all your enemies. The Lord declares to you, the Lord himself will make a house for you. When your time comes and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up after you your descendant who will come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will discipline him with a rod of men and blows from mortals. But my faithful love will never leave him as it did when I removed it from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Your house and your kingdom will endure before me forever, and your throne will be established forever." Nathan reported all these words and this entire vision to David. David wanted to do something for God because the Lord had done so much for David. The Lord had given him rest from his enemies. David looked around and realized, you know, look at how God has blessed me. And I live in this beautiful cedar house. And then he looks over and here's the ark of the Lord. And it's inside the tabernacle. And the tabernacle, just from the outside, it just wasn't this very awesome looking place. I mean, it was a portable tent. So David wanted to do something for the Lord that would make his dwelling place beautiful. And Nathan, who was the prophet at the time, when David tells him what he has on his mind, he says, hey, do, do whatever's in your heart. Because off the top of his head, it seemed to Nathan like this is a good thing to do. David's heart was in the right place after all. And when our hearts are grateful to God, isn't it true we want to do something in response for God? That's a good thing. Maybe 
we want to get involved in serving opportunities or we want to go on a short-term short-term mission trip. There are just lots of things we can do. But the Lord appeared to Nathan that night and gave him a different word. And, and, and there's a little bit of a correction here. The Lord says, David, I don't need you to build me a house. In fact, I didn't need Abraham. I didn't need Moses. I don't need you. In fact, I don't need anyone to advance my cause. Remember who you are and God just begins to take David down memory lane. He says, David, you were just a little shepherd boy when I found you. I took you from the flock. I made you prince. I made you king. And remember, it was me who worked for you. I exalted you. David, you remember how Saul was chasing after you and persecuting you and harassing you? How in the world did you make it? It's because I was with you. David, look around. All of your successes, they're from me. So in verse 9, God says something really interesting to David. He says, David, and I want you to notice all of these I will statements that I'm about to read. He says, I will make a great name for you. Can you think of someone else the Lord said that to? If you think back in the Old Testament, uh, Genesis chapter 12, he said that to Abraham. And that covenant with Abraham is now being funneled down to David. God says, David, your greatness will come from me. In verse 10, there's another I will. God says, I will designate a place for my people Israel. And that takes us back to Genesis 15, 18, where God said to Abraham, Abraham, I'm going to give you this land from the river Euphrates to, to this area, to that area, uh, because God's people need a place to dwell in. And so this is going to be yours. And so he's repeating the same thing now to David. But the last part of verse 11 is very important. The Lord declares to you, the Lord himself will make a house for you. So remember how this passage started. David said to the Lord, I want to build you a house. And the Lord responds by saying, I don't need it. But I tell you what, I'll make you a house. That had to be humbling. That had to be reassuring for David just to know that and be reminded that God doesn't need us, but he uses us. That was a good reminder for me that God's kingdom work doesn't ultimately rise or fall with me. Uh, it doesn't rise or fall with you or really with anyone. In fact, there's a, there's a victory principle here, I believe, because this series is about victory. And I don't want to miss this. The measure of our greatness is not found in what we do for God. It's found in what he does for us. So what kind of house is God going to build, David? Let me read verse 12 to you. When your time comes and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up after you your descendant who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. In other words, your kingdom, David, is going to endure. It's not going to be like Saul's kingdom. Saul's kingdom didn't endure. But David, your house will endure because I'm going to be the one who builds it. A son who comes from your body is going to be king. He's, he's talking here about Solomon, but I also think he's looking way beyond Solomon as well. And we'll get to that in just a minute. Many times in Scripture, especially in the Old Testament, you'll have like a double fulfillment of some things. And I think in this instance, there's a double fulfillment. Um, by the way, verse 13, it says, he is the one, Solomon is the one who will build a house for my name. So, so yeah, there's gonna be this permanent structure called the temple, but your son Solomon is gonna be the one who will build it. And then God says, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Now that's amazing. Because God is telling David, one of your children in your house is going to be king forever. Verse 14, he said, I will be his father and he will be my son. So just as Adam at one point was God's son and, 
And then later when God called Israel out of Egypt, he referred to Israel as his son. Now he's saying that this king is going to be his son. The king is going to represent the nation before the Lord. And if the king obeys, then the nation will prosper. If the king disobeys, the nation's going to suffer. And so this king, as, as God's son, is going to be a representative for the nation. And if First and Second Samuel, as we read these books in their entirety, if they teach us anything, they show us that no mere human king, not even David, the man after God's own heart, no human king could ultimately bring the blessing that God's people needed. Within one generation, the people were mired in idolatry. They, they really stayed there with just a few exceptions until finally uh, Israel was attacked by Assyria and then Judah was exiled to Babylon. But even when it looks like all is lost, the prophets are warning the people of God and they're telling the people of God about his discipline and his judgment that's coming. But the prophets also hold out this hope, this promise that, that, that God's word to David is going to be fulfilled by a new king, a descendant of David that we haven't seen just yet. In Jeremiah chapter 23, verses five through six, the prophet Jeremiah said, look, the days are coming. This is the Lord's declaration when I will raise up a righteous branch for David. He will reign wisely as king and administer justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. This is the name he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. And so I hope you've already figured it out that Jesus is ultimately the one who fulfills God's covenant with David. He is the true son of David. That's why the New Testament opens with this genealogy, right? In Matthew, there's this genealogy to show and prove that Jesus Christ is the son of David and the son of Abraham. And so all of the, the promises that God made to Abraham, that God then carried on to David, these are fulfilled in Jesus. He's the Messiah. He's the one who sits on David's throne. And not only that, but Jesus is the obedient son of David. Because as we look back, all through the Old Testament, like Adam failed as God's son. He didn't obey God. Israel was called God's son, but Israel failed terribly. They went into exile. And, and then even David, the man after God's own heart, he failed. Solomon failed. Most of the kings failed, maybe a few exceptions, but, but there's only one son who never failed. There's only one son of David who was the perfect person, the branch of righteousness, and that's Jesus, the son of David. He always did what was pleasing to God. He always trusted in God. He always obeyed God. And Jeremiah refers to him as the righteous branch, and he calls them the Lord is our righteousness because he is our representative. He's the one that we look to. Jesus is our king. He's triumphed over sin. He's triumphed over death. And now he reigns at God's right hand. He sits on the throne of David. God is building a house and here's the cool thing. It far surpasses any physical structure that David could have built because this is a house that cannot be built with hands. This is a house that's made up of believers from every tribe, tongue, and language. And ultimately, this is an eternal house. In Hebrews 12, 28, the writer of Hebrews says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful by it, we may serve God acceptably with reverence and awe. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope you'll join us next time for another episode in our series, Never Lost, A Journey to Victory.
again. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you Monday.